Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the cats right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together, Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show is brought to you by La Rosa's. Tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. Uh, we are going to talk a hair more about Kentucky versus Auburn, preview Kentucky versus Mississippi State, and then I'm going to explain a tweet I had uh, from Sunday. But first, let's uh, let's kind of wrap with um, something that we got a little bit more info on today. EJ Montgomery, you and I both were were surprised that Auburn fans didn't give him the business a little bit more. We got a chance to talk to EJ today. Uh, he he is familiar with that campus intimately, Kyle, because uh, he has family history there. Yeah, I mean, his sister is one of their all-time leaders, I think. Um, she, I think her name is uh, throughout the record book there. Um, played at Auburn, and his, both his sisters are playing professionally, I think, overseas. Um, and obviously, he was committed to Auburn as well, and so I think he's been there a bunch of times, even before he was a, a recruit. Um and I don't know that he was like super surprised that he didn't get a ton of hate, but uh, you know, um, I was—I guess I was a little surprised, but not a lot because, like we said, he he hasn't been a huge contributor for Kentucky, and also, um, I don't think it was like he like, you know, pulled the rug out from under Auburn. It yeah. was here comes a scandal, and kids decommit after scandals, and that's that was kind of the deal for him. Yeah, I agree, but. Um, he, he did admit that it was really awkward kind of going, not awkward, I forget what word exactly he used, but it was weird kind of going out on the court in the uniform of an opposing team when for a lot of his, uh, you know, kind of growing up, he thought he was going to be going on that court in an Auburn uniform. Uh, so that that was kind of interesting. Uh, we also talked to P.J. Washington today. And, uh, you know, that I think the dynamic of the front court is something that is going to be really important going forward. Obviously, we talked on a lot last podcast about Reed Travis stepping up. P.J. Washington. This kind of surprised me. Some people I've been talking to said that P.J. Washington was taking criticism during the broadcast by Vitale. Did you hear any of that? I don't know if you got to rewatch the game or not. but No, but I, I somebody mentioned it to me as well. Uh, I think that uh, Vitale was basically saying he needs to give more effort uh, which I, you know, generally speaking, I don't necessarily disagree with. Not more effort, just more consistent effort. Like when when PJ's on, he's on and he's great. Um, it's just I don't I don't th- I have said that many times before. I don't think it's uh, he's not all the way cranked up enough every game. Like even if he could give five more minutes of that of his best, it would make a big difference because PJ Washington is one of those players who can. And I've gone through. Uh, I never did end up writing the story that I was working on. I don't remember why I was, but I I went through four his four best games early in the season, um, and it was like some crazy number. It was like ninety percent of his points and rebounds in these four games came in like forty total minutes. Uh, the short burst that added up to about forty minutes, and then the other sixty five some minutes, he had like eight points and three rebounds. I mean, he did all his damage in in really short windows. Um, and so that's where you can say like, you know, if you could, if you could give five more minutes a game of your best, even that could, you know, and the, cause, uh, cause he's the guy who's capable of, you know, the 
three rebound block, one block, one steal burst in a, you know, a three and a half minute stretch. And that three and a half minute stretch can completely change the game for Kentucky. And obviously when you when you put together the final stats that, that, that takes you from a 12 and six, it looks like a pretty good game to a, you know, 16 and 11 and three blocks. And it looks like a great game. So, um, you know, I, I didn't hear what Vital said. I did. I did also get a message from somebody, as you did. You know that um, that he was taking some criticism, and I think that continues to be a valid criticism. I think PJ's played well. I think he's a huge key to them. I think he's had moments that have been sort of decisive moments in big games for them. Um, I still think he's probably their most talented player. Uh, at his best, I think he's their best player, but. Um, but he doesn't do it all the time, and I don't think I don't really don't think that can be argued. If you want to, you know, I know there are people that will argue it with me, but if you want to dig in, I can I can make a very <laughs> strong argument against you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I always and I, I this is kind of just across platforms to a certain extent. I, I I tend to like hesitate when questioning effort because there's a lot of things that I don't all the way know. And, and so when it's when it's obvious, uh, I'm not afraid to necessarily call it out. But that that's the thing that it's tough to to, to kind of know 100. percent And when you put that label on somebody, I feel like it can kind of stick and is unfair and is like one of those insults and knocks against a player that are super negative, like soft. Uh, when you talk when you yeah. talk about a guy's motor and effort, it, you know it's it's kind of tough to come off that. So I, I always hesitate. But I mean. You know, I think it, it, well, it's pretty evident that PJ can crank it up just a hair more, and and that kind of goes yeah. to the point that it's not that he's giving bad effort; it's just that he's shown that he can give great effort, and he doesn't do that. Right, all and the that's time. that's that's another argument I would make. Like we expect more because he's shown he can do more, mm-hmm. and once you show you can do a lot more, people want you you to do that more often. And and also, we're not pulling this out of thin air. Like the coaching staff has yes. said this about PJ Washington. Yeah. John Calipari has said it repeatedly. Kenny Payne had the press conference where he said, like, I, when we play poorly or we play great, I look at P.J. Washington. You know, if we, if we didn't play well, I look at, was P.J. Washington playing as hard as he could? I mean, that's, that's straight from the people that see him every day. Yeah. And, and when I talk to NBA people frequently, you know, that is what is brought up about P.J. Washington. Like, if he can play at his best – for extended periods, he's a pro. If he's if he's hit or miss, he's a more questionable pro. I mean, this is not like uh, you and me as you know basketball Benny novices in the game uh, making these you know making these interpretations. These are the people that see him every day, and the people that are evaluating him for the next level, which is what he wants to get to. All saying this, and that you know one one simple way I would say for the for the average person like you and me to look, I look at. How does he set screens? Like, watch him set screens versus the way that Reed Travis set screens. Sometimes PJ Washington's screens are very sort of half-hearted, and PJ Washington or uh, Reed Travis's screens are set as if he wants to decapitate you, and he does. Well, I mean, um, Reed Travis when it, he sets up, it's it's like a wall. I mean, yeah, and part of that is body style. I mean, Reed Travis is built to be a brick wall, but it's it's also about uh, intention. You know, like how do you how do you go about it? Are you are you there to make a difference? Or are you there because this is the spot they told me to be at, and here I am, you know, half-hearted. Uh, so I'm not calling. You know, I'm not saying PJ doesn't play hard. I'm saying if PJ plays a little harder, five minutes a game, 
his stats go way up, and Kentucky has at least one more of those stomp the gas moments that can be the difference in, you know, not blowing a, a 17 point lead or not falling behind by 10 to an inferior opponent or whatever the case may be, or not starting the game in a hole. Um, you know, PJ is very important to them and has been very good to them for them for, you know, most of the season and in most of the games. But I, I just think, and, and I think it continues to be fair to say, like if he can give you a little more, it's, it's a huge difference maker. There's like a handful of things that can, you know, if there's probably four or five things that if two or three of those things happen, even Kentucky is a final four team. One is PJ Washington deciding I'm dominating for 25 of the 30 minutes. I'm going to play today. I'm just going to dominate the dude I'm playing against. Yeah. Um, Cause he can, you know, the other, one of the others is Nick Richards or EJ Montgomery. But I think right now well, it's, becoming clear it's going to have to be Nick Richards, you know, as a, as well, a, I do, as a hold, protector I do, and an inside presence. Yeah, 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 and I, I agree with that portion of it, but I, I want to talk about E.J. Montgomery because you had a great question to him. He was also made available to us uh, today, and then and then I, I went over to P.J. and asked him about E.J. and we'll share his comments. This is, this is going to be a little confusing and kind of a tongue twister. We'll share P.J.'s comments on E.J. in, in just a minute. That's a lot of J's. So, um, but first, before all that, I do want to take a quick break and tell you about La Rosa's Family Pizzeria, which is coming to Lexington right across the street from Skyline Chili on Richmond Road in May. La Rosa's is a Cincinnati thing, just like Skyline Chili. It was started by Buddy La Rosa's in 1954 on Cincinnati's west side. The things that makes La Rosa's different is their family recipes. They were brought over from Italy. Uh, it, the pizza has a little bit of different taste. The the pasta sauce is different than you than you would uh, get at a lot of other restaurants. And, you know, besides that, they have just a ton of items on their menu, over 40 selections to be exact. And all of those are available for pickup, delivery, or you can go in and check out their great dining rooms. The closest one to Lexington, it is open right now, is up on I-75 off the Dry Ridge exit. So if you are in Lexington and want to check out La Rosa's, that's your closest option. But if you're in Northern Kentucky or Cincinnati area and listening, you can go check out your local La Rosa's. You can check out LaRosa's.com for more information and be on the lookout in May for La Rosa's in Lexington. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So Kyle, you asked EJ about his shooting today, which was a, was a strength coming in. That was something that everybody pointed to is this big guy is able to shoot the ball. And from from what we've seen in games... He has not been shooting well. Yeah, I mean, that like the dude is a really good shooter for a guy who's six ten. You know, he referred to himself in high school as a member of the of the uh, BGN, the Big Guard Nation. And he was a guy who, when he was like in eighth grade, he was already six six, but he was a guard. You know, you can find videos on YouTube of, you know. 13 year old EJ Montgomery, like handling the ball in the open court at six foot six. And, you know, he, so he's got some skills. I mean, a little bit, he's got a little Anthony Davis in his story, like a guy who played on the perimeter and then had these, had a couple three, four inch growth spurts. I don't think he had like an eight inch over a summer or whatever, like Anthony, but, um, and now he's six ten, six eleven, and he's retained a lot of those skills. It's the reason, you know, at the next level, he's going to be a stretch four. um, and I've seen him drain shot after shot after shot. I watched him work out in high school. I saw him play in high school. You know, 
you if you go watch him warm up, and I know you know, oh, well, there's no defense or warm ups, but like if you watch NBA guys, the thing about an NBA warm up warm up is like they don't miss at all. Uh, the pros when they're when nobody's on them, they make everything, and like you'll see EJ Montgomery have warm ups like that where he'll shoot that 15 foot baseline jumper over and over and over and over again. I mean, that's you could see Nick Richards do that sometimes. Um, you know, he can step out and shoot threes, but he's gotten in games and he just cannot hit. Uh, and, you know, he said, like, it's gotten a little bit frustrating. He said, I, I get in the game and, and I think my shot's going in and it doesn't. And I've just got to keep working, keep shooting, stay in the gym. Um, you know, he said, he, I think he said he, he starts to overthink it a little bit when he gets into games. And that's not really uncommon for uh, young players. And, and he hasn't gotten as many minutes to work through some of that as some of these guys. Like, I think you've seen Ashton Hagens get more and more comfortable and think less and less and just play, like, at the same time as his minutes went way up, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. you play 35 minutes a game, you can play through some mistakes. It's not like Ashton Hagens, the second he became a starter and a 30-plus-minute-a-game guy, was a good offensive player. You know, it took four, five, six starts before his offense caught on and he um, became comfortable in that way. And, and so when you're playing as little as EJ is and you're, you're coming in and sort of fits and starts and, you know, you may get 10 minutes this game or 15 minutes the next and you never know exactly when they're going to come and you may not be on the floor more than two or three minutes in continuous stretches, that's tough for a guy who's trying to find an offensive rhythm. But that's, to me, the most surprising thing about him is that, like, that's what I thought he could definitely bring them is an offensive threat. Um, and he's been pretty good around the basket, but when he, get, when he steps away where I thought he could really, um, you know, give them something they don't have in any other player, really, um, he's just not been able to hit them. But I, he's a guy that I absolutely think will, and I really, you know, I hope for his sake that he is wise enough, unless he just goes nuts in the last second half of the season, to give himself another year um, to work on some of those things. I think I think EJ is the kind of guy who could, you know, be oh we got a few flashes this year, come back next year and be a totally different guy and be a star almost from day one. I, I think a whole nother summer, a whole nother off season, um, having gotten some of the experience he's gotten this year, EJ could go from from eighth guy in the rotation to one of the best players on the team next year. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. And, um, you know, I wouldn't ask PJ. They need him to be. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't ask PJ about EJ. And, I mean, it's kind of cliche that he said that he thinks, you know, there's potentially a game out there where he can kind of break out. And he said that he he just kind of has to seize an opportunity whenever it presents itself. And the kind of irony of that is EJ would be seizing that opportunity if there's a situation where PJ is, as we talked about in the first segment, maybe not giving maximum effort or he has foul trouble. So that's a that's a kind of a, a dynamic that is a little bit interesting. The other thing we talked to PJ today about was, of course, his flagrant foul. A lot of people have been discussing it. I think everyone can kind of agree that it was a bad call. Uh, PJ said he didn't think it was a flagrant. But the interesting dynamic, I thought, Kyle, was He's friends with Horace Spence, the guy who he fouled. They went to high school together, so uh, that was kind of a, yeah, a little a little layer to the story. I don't think many people knew. Yeah, and I like that had like co- totally gone over my head on in the moment on Saturday. But he was like, "Yeah, I mean, we're friends. We I wouldn't hurt, have hurt the guy." And you know, he made it really clear he didn't think it was 
he didn't think it was a flagrant. He was trying to block it. Um, yeah. So what were you even thinking? Like when you took off? Cause that was, didn't seem like a shot that even had potential to be blocked. I thought that was an incredible athletic feat that he even met him at the rim from where he kind of started challenging that shot and how high up, uh, Horace Spence was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a good play. You know, I, I think I've looked at it from every possible angle that, that, that I know to be available, um, and I just don't see it. You know, he hits him on the basically on the wrist. I don't, yeah. I've never seen a, a flagrant for, for slapping somebody on the wrist as, when you're contesting a shot. I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen one. I mean, I, like, well, literally, unless you... The, uh, you know, when you say slap on the wrist, that means something's not too harsh. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. The expression of slap on the wrist means that you got off easy. Uh, you know, and also he, he, he caught a piece of the rim on the way down, which is what I think yeah. is changed the changed this trajectory more than EJ's uh, slap on the wrist. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's enough you know, about Cal, the, the flagrant. And I, and I asked, I asked PJ too, like, was Cal even mad? He said, no, cause he didn't think I did anything wrong. Um, so, you know, I, it was bad. It was a very bad call. It very much could have changed the outcome of the game, and it did not, um, which is why I don't totally say, oh, well, in a way, Kentucky got lucky because that shot rimmed out. One, they challenged it and defended it pretty well. Uh, and two, it shouldn't really have come down to that because that flagrant sort of changed the complexion of things and gave, uh, gave Auburn a little bit new life when it shouldn't have been the case. Yeah, yeah, I would agree uh, overall. So that, that, that's going to close the book on the Auburn game. Um, for that coming up next uh, we will talk about Kentucky versus Mississippi State I will share uh, a tweet and then we will give you more information where you can hear more of Kyle Tucker on Monday mornings Uh, but first we need to take a little break this is locked on Kentucky your team every day okay Kyle so uh, let's start off how your Monday started off we're wrapping up Monday here you got a fun new thing you're doing every Monday morning uh, with a name that I think most people know that are Kentucky fans. Yeah, Tom Leach has asked me to come on his uh, uh, daily radio show on Mondays uh, from uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on uh, WLAP. Uh, and I think you can hear it around the state. Uh, you you know better about how to tell people to listen online, I guess, or on the radio. But um, every Monday through the end of basketball season, I'm going to come on. We're going to talk basketball, mostly Kentucky basketball, but also some bigger picture SEC and national college basketball. Uh, Curtis will be on a lot with me, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get a chance to uh, uh, promo the, uh, the podcast. But you guys are already listening. Uh, and also it's a good opportunity to talk about the athletic and what I'm doing there, stories I'm working on. Uh, you know, I think one thing Tom wants to do is – uh, you know, bring in some of my colleagues. We've got people covering a lot of different teams. We've got several national, really good national college basketball writers. Um, and we had Brian Hamilton on this morning to sort of talk about the big debate, like who's number one now because Tennessee, Tennessee almost lost. Uh, you know, Duke uh, lost a home game earlier in the week and then goes and beats the only remaining undefeated team, Virginia. They obviously have a strong case. It ended up being uh, we did a poll in the athletic and, and, I think all but two of us on our staff went with Tennessee. Uh, the Associated Press agreed. I think they got like like 75% of the first place votes and ended up number one in the new poll. But we talked to Brian about sort of that landscape, where Kentucky now fits in that landscape. He, he believes that they have a chance to 
you know, what are they, how much more do they improve over the next month and a half? But they, they're in sort of the tier just beneath what he believes to be the elite teams right now, but with a chance to climb into that by the time the tournament starts. And that's pretty much exactly where I think they are as well. And they've got a chance this week to beat two ranked teams at home on the heels of that Auburn win and what they've been doing lately. I think they're right in that mix to be a you know top two or three seed, um, you know, and you're right back to thinking you know with all the hopes and dreams people had before the season started for Kentucky. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about uh, every Monday talking college basketball with Tom, talking Kentucky basketball with Tom, and uh, and having my man Curtis uh, join us uh, from mm-hmm. time to time. Yeah, uh, it's a good good time. All right, I'll explain that tweet that I mentioned earlier. A lot of people liked it, Kyle. Not as many as as you get on tweets, because you know I'm not as famous <laughs> as you. Uh, but you actually, it it was it was a team effort because you were tweeting about Larry Warford nearly making the the Super Bowl and those kind of deals. Uh, and then I quote tweeted and said, "My claim to fame is Larry Warford coming to my apartment during one of his recruiting visits to the UK." And I'll quickly explain the story. His cousin Paul Warford was friends with one of my roommates. They play pickup ball together, and so one evening. Me and my other roommate were in our apartment. We were watching uh, TV, and all of a sudden there was this knock on the door. <clears throat> Actually, I take that back. There was not a knock. The door just opened because the person on the other side had a key, and it was it was dark out. And when the door opened, we had a porch light, uh, but when the door opened, there was no porch light because the entire door frame was taken up by this massive human being. And the massive human being said, can I get the PlayStation? And we were like, uh, <laughs> you're being robbed. We didn't know exactly what was going on. And then all of a sudden, we heard our other roommate, Scotty, yell down from the car, uh, Can you give uh, Larry, little Larry? I don't think he called him little Larry. That would make the story better. Uh, the, the PlayStation, we're going over to Paul's house to, to play some video games. And so for a second, we didn't know what was going on. We just saw a giant who I believe he was just a junior at the time, but he was still massive trying to come in our apartment and asking for a video game take console. Take your PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't ours. It was our roommate. So, I mean, if it, if, it, if it turned out that it wasn't Larry Warford, we would have given it to him anyway because I wasn't going to trifle with that that person <laughs> over over a video game console that wasn't mine. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so that was my brush with fame uh, back in my heydays of college, Kyle. Yeah, and you know, that's a a great story and, and, a, and a great story for Larry Warford was dashed by some terrible officiating. Yeah. He was this close to going to a Super Bowl, And, and, and the, the tweet that sort of started all that was, I was noting, like, I, I think, I feel like the average fan could easily forget about Larry Warford because, you know, one, you don't think about offensive linemen. And it's not like, you know, Larry was playing in Detroit for, for the early part of his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can forget about that guy. You're not like, he's not like, posting stats and you know um things like that but he's had a really good career he's a really really good nfl offensive lineman uh he was a big part of the Saints' success and he was blowing holes open on saturday he had some uh some big blocks in that game um and i think i think it might be easy for people to forget him but he's i think you know one of the all-time great kentucky players yeah Um, yeah i would i would i would definitely agree i think it had been like I remember writing this when he was drafted. Um, I think it had been like 20 years since an, like a Kentucky offensive lineman was drafted in the NFL before Larry Warford was picked. I think that's right. It was it was a it was a long long uh, drought, and uh, you know he was sort of a bright spot on some bad teams as well. Um, maybe another reason people might forget about him. But yeah, that Larry Warford very very good. Without a doubt. All right, let's preview Mississippi State real quick. Um, I will just kind of say this, Kyle. 
and you and I might disagree to a certain extent. Uh, Tony Barbie was asked if this was a trap game being between uh, an away game at Auburn with a crazy environment and then a home game against Kansas, uh, which is obviously going to be game day, a huge game on Saturday. Even even though Mississippi State's ranked, I tend to think this could potentially be a trap game. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but this is not a typical, I don't think this is a typical trap game. Uh, there are not a lot of trap games when you're playing a conference game against a ranked opponent. Um. You know, and Tony basically made that. You know, he said you might say that if they weren't ranked in the top twenty-five and as good and talented and experienced a team in our league as they are, if those if those three factors weren't there, yeah, maybe you could say trap game. Now with this Mississippi State, not with this Mississippi State team, they're as good as any team in our league. Their depth, their experience, they've got size, they've got guard play, uh, they're not deficient in any one area. So for that reason, no, not a trap game at all. These guys got our full attention. Um, yeah, I think that, I, mean, I think that's a I think that's a real fairly logical summary for this not being a trap game. I mean, of if you look at the three game stretch and you go like which game would is like the least one you they'd be least likely to get up for. Um, maybe it, I mean that's that would be the least likely of the three. Yes, but it's still a ranked team, and you know I think I forget what the stat is, but they're playing uh, three consecutive ranked teams. For the first time in how long? I, I can't remember. Uh, it's many, many time. years. <laughs> long, long time. Um, you know, it's tough because they, you know, they played in a, a mediocre SEC for a lot of years, and now the league's really good, so that helps. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, real play. quick. Like I tweeted this 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 stat out, and I, I double checked it, so hopefully these numbers are all right. But Kentucky has fourteen left, fourteen regular season games left. Eight are against teams that are currently ranked. Of the six that aren't against ranked teams, three are on the road. That's a ridiculous way to end the season. And the other kind of fluky thing about the schedule I was looking at today, like Kentucky plays Mississippi State twice before they play Tennessee once. It's just it's just a really weird schedule, and it's going to get real tough for Kentucky real quick. Yeah, but I tell you what, I love that schedule if I'm Kentucky. Like, I love the setup for the, for the backloaded Tennessee game. Like, it gets you yeah, time yeah. to be where you're close to peaking. I mean... For Kentucky to not have to play Tennessee until February 16th, and that being a home game, and then not have to play at Tennessee until March 2nd is large. And the fact that they don't play Auburn again uh, until February 23rd, you know, to me, the toughest games, most of the toughest games in the league are on the back end where a young team, by yeah. you know, in theory, will have um, come together. LSU is now ranked. They don't play LSU. And the, they only play them once this year, and they don't play them at all until February 12th, and that's a home game. LSU's not uh, going to be ranked by then. Yeah. Uh, well, they might be. They're nah, talented, they man. Yeah. I think we've talked about it, but they've got four or five-star kids, I think six top 50 recruits. I mean, they have talent. They have a great point guard in Trey Muttwaters. Uh, they've got a really good five-star freshman big man, future first-round draft pick. We're getting off topic. I mean, we need to get back to Mississippi State. We can look at this schedule again. We're running out of time on this podcast. Yeah, but what, what do you think is going to happen in this game, Kyle? I think Kentucky's going to win. I mean, they win home games. It, um, you know, they, they don't lose at home very often. They're playing really well right now. They've, they, in a row, they have smashed Georgia on the road, and they were in, on the cusp of smashing Auburn, a really good Auburn team on the road, and survived that one. Uh, and they're coming home, playing really well, 
there's also too like i wonder if there'll be like a, a hero's welcome type thing in uh, terms of the crowd like i think i think the crowd will be good mm. i think the crowd will be energized because like this team has given them something to cheer about mm-hmm. um this is this will be the best kentucky has been playing coming home all season because they they won north carolina and louisville away from home if they'd come home immediately, that next game would have been nuts. But they went and lost at Alabama, and they didn't come back home till Texas A&M in a yeah. pretty block. You know, Texas A&M was not a good team. Now they're coming off four straight wins, two great road wins. They're coming home, and they're playing a ranked team in league play. I think people are excited about Kentucky again. I think that crowd will will be pretty good, and I think that will carry them a little bit as well. I, I just. I think they win the game. I don't, yeah. and I don't, and I do not buy that it's a trap game. Okay, well, that doesn't mean they won't lose it necessarily. Like if they lose, I won't say I won't say, oh, it was a trap game, unless they just look totally flat. Because Mississippi State's good and could well, be good and beat them. If 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 they come out flat, Ashton Higgins is just going to wake everybody the f up. So <laughs> wake, the, wake the bleep up. All yeah. right, that's our that's our time for today, Kyle. Uh, thanks again to La Rosa's uh, for sponsoring this edition of the show. Um, and Kyle, tell everybody where to follow along with you on I'm at social. Kyle, at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. You can follow me at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. If you want to see PJ and EJ talking in video form and see exactly what they said, you can check it on my timeline. Um, be sure to be following at us at Locked On UK on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. Shout out to OWS. That's at Big O on Twitter. He said, really enjoy the Locked On podcast here in Ridgefield, Washington. That's all the way across the country, Kyle. So that's cool. Where you are, we are national. And we, as we mentioned on one of the podcasts last week, we are worldwide. Thanks to everyone who's listening. If you're the first time you're listening because you heard Kyle and I on the Tom Lee Show this morning, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and then most importantly, share this podcast with somebody else who would enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Let's just go. Um, he was... Um, uh,